Welcome to worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. This virtual worship service is brought to you in a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town Alexandria. Our reading today comes from Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and the Lord brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. The Lord led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. The Lord said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked. And there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then the Lord said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied, as the Lord commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then the Lord said to me, Mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, Our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. I'm guessing we didn't plan on giving up this much for Lent, right? Stripping our lives down to the bare bones. Can these bones live? This week, I read that a student had once asked Margaret Mead what she considered to be the first sign of civilization in a culture, expecting the cultural anthropologist to talk about clay pots or whetstones. But what she said was that the first sign of a civilization in an ancient culture was a bone, a femur, that had healed from a break. Mead explained that in the animal kingdom, if you break your leg, you die. You can't run from danger, hunt for food, or go drink water at the river. Injured animals become easy prey. Literally no animal survives a broken leg long enough for the bone to heal in the wild. Discovering a healed broken bone in an archeological dig is evidence that someone cared for the injured, took the person to safety, treated the wound, and tended to them until they recovered. Helping another person through difficulty is where civilization begins, Mead said. And it's also who we are as the body of Christ. Even when we may feel like we are little more than dry, brittle, lifeless bones held together with weary sinews, barely breathing, sin sick, almost dead inside especially now with stay-at-home orders across much of our nation and world, without much or even any human contact, or the sinews of society that bind us together, that make up what we've come to rely on as our lives, our identities as communities. Part of the Lenten journey traditionally is about time for individual reflection and turning inward for contemplation. And many of us have plenty of time on our hands for that these days. Ultimately, God calls us to new and renewed lives, to try it another way, turn around, turn back to God to repair our relationships with our creator and with each other. As we journeyed through Lent, we talked about that in Jesus' baptism, intended symbolically as a new beginning, in effect, to clean up your act. And really, we humans probably can't ever clean up our act enough, as this virulent virus is reminding us daily. There's always temptation to go out more than necessary, or to completely disregard what experts are imploring us to do to stay safe now, individually and collectively for our neighbors. Jesus, of course, faced a temptation too, right after being baptized and led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. During this Lenten season, during this pandemic, with all our newfound time at home, we're being invited, maybe forced, to stare down how we've separated ourselves from God, to identify where deep down our spirits are dry and how our bodies are feeling so lifeless. Can these bones live? God asks the prophet. How? 
We can draw on some traditional Lenten practices that have never been more important or meaningful. Praying, fasting, and giving. Prayer intrinsically links us to one another, even if we can't and shouldn't breathe the same air. I took a webinar this week offered by two Yale Divinity School professors I didn't know while I was there, who shared lessons from their Episcopal and Catholic faith traditions, which have long prayed for others at a distance, historically from monasteries. They pointed to the many ways the body of Christ has been nimble and adaptive lately through virtual worship, even before this pandemic. This newly digitally mediated sacred space has opened up so many opportunities for all those who haven't been able to be physically present in churches for ages, who've been part of the body from a distance. Our elderly, shut-ins, the faithful in war-ravaged places like Syria, where priests have been live-streaming for years, presiding at the Lord's table without bread or wine or buildings. In any era of changes, like the advent of the printing press, like the worldwide shelter-in-place orders now. There are gains as well as losses, but that's okay. We don't need to panic. It's just different. Prayer is still prayer. Sure, we're used to gathering together to pass the peace, to see familiar faces, but we can pray together from different spaces as the Pope has been calling us to do worldwide, as our Stephen ministers invite us to weekly. We can pray via Zoom. Your staff is getting pretty good at it. You can download one of the myriad helpful prayer apps like Echo or Aura or D365. Ask the young people in your lives to walk you through how to do that by phone or email or FaceTime. Traditional fasting may feel especially hard this Lent if your pantries are stocked and you're finding creative outlets and cooking for everyone. Maybe all the college students sent home who are hard to stock up for in the best of times. I started thinking seriously about fasting while the kids and I are in self-quarantine after driving to collect them from Nashville to Alexandria, up to Providence and back, stopping in New York. Will our pantry and freezer hold out? Should we ration? Can I think of it more spiritually as fasting? Or maybe it's more meaningful to do a news fast or fast from checking in with social media more than once a day. Maybe our fast is from unrealistic expectations. If we've lost our job or jobs in the gig economy, maybe it's okay to rest and restore our energies. We don't all have to start a blog or write a book or become Julia Child. For those of us working full-time from home while also parenting full-time and teaching school-aged children full-time, all that full-time isn't even a thing, do the math, know that you are doing an amazing job. All the kids and pets I see from a safe social distance while walking around the neighborhood mostly look really happy just to be spending time with their families. That's what we've been enlisted to do. We're all doing our parts, sacrificing our usual lives for the greater good as the body of Christ to help each other 
in everyday ways, even if it's cutting each other's hair, the basics, bare bones. Can these bones live? We ask each other. We're being called to be gentle with ourselves and our families, but strong in our resolve to stay at home and protect each other. Being generous with our time, with our patience, with our neighbors and communities. Giving is profound ancient practice for Christians, especially during Lent. So many, including in our own church family, are suffering financially. Lent calls us out of ourselves, out of our own needs, out of what feels right now like isolation or even captivity, to give generously, to continue pledging, to buy an extra bag of groceries for a vulnerable neighbor, to send funds to one of the many mission partners we support at the Meeting House. We know from experience that generosity opens our hearts and we're even more compassionate toward our neighbors from a safe six foot distance right now. There are so many stories of people helping these days. My mom taking a walk outside alone in Palo Alto tried to clear the path for an oncoming young couple with a new baby. They stopped and from six feet apart asked my mom if she was okay, how she was doing, and asked if they could get some groceries for her. She burst into happy tears, letting them know that she and my dad were okay, not too isolated, and ordering their groceries online. She was worrying about the vulnerability of the tiny baby strapped to the new mom's chest, and they were concerned about her, as we all should be, because it will literally take all of us working together to defeat this virus, and it will take time. It might feel boring or anxiety-inducing, but we are not alone. God is with us, always. And together, we've got this. That's what hope looks like right now, not flinging wide our church doors on Easter. Can these bones live, God asks us? We've done it before. Some of us planted victory gardens during World War II and waited for years to hear where their loved ones were, if they were still alive. So many in that era, like my dad as a child, were stricken with polio. Many, but not all, recovered, sheltering at home for months on end, separated from the rest of the family. Another generation of us faced the AIDS epidemic, which changed the course of our relationships and our perceptions of social justice. On 9-11, we knew we'd never be the same. We went on and will continue believing in the trustworthiness and faithfulness of a loving creator who breathes new life into us, who strengthens what is lifeless, who mends our broken places. We can't do it ourselves. One of the profound lessons during this time of pandemic is that we each rely on one another, literally, for our very lives. And we rely on God, always. This scripture passage is all about restoration and renewal in the midst of trauma, 
Ezekiel imagines our complete resurrection from a valley of brittle, bare bones, prophesying from captivity in ancient Babylon. And it calls to mind other valleys, walking in the valley of the shadow of death, as the psalmist described. But shadow implies that there is a source of light on the other side of the mountain. So many epidemiologists and governors have described the rising numbers of exposures to and death from COVID-19 as climbing up the mountain, which you can picture in graph form. But there will be a peak or a plateau and a downward trend, and there will be light and hope on the other side of this darkness. We're living in frightening times. We feel brittle, our lives stripped down to the barest essentials. Our lives may feel like bare bones. We may feel as though we're taking shallow breaths, waiting, not daring to fully live the lives God calls us to, even as we hunker down. But we need to see the glimmer of possibility that God is trying to open us to, calling us out of our graves of despair breathing new life into our emptiness and fear. Even as we're grieving our freedom and our future, our strength and our safety, we know we will be different when we emerge from this time. We will be a resurrected Easter people who interact differently, who worship differently. But there's grace and freedom in that too. It's hard to say, but we've always done it like that because it's all new now. We're starting from scratch, bare bones, not unlike our Christian beginnings. Here at the virtual meeting house, we are not meeting, but finding new ways of being church, doing church, breathing new life into the church writ large. When we do for the least among us, we are caring for the whole body of Christ, as Christ called us to do. It does take practice and patience. Challenging times like these push us, inspire us, invite us to rise up from our dry, dusty places, from our brokenness and despair. As Jesus came to bear witness to, God's kingdom is heaven on earth, here and now. In a time such as this, among these people, you and you and you and me, can these bones live? Yes, oh Lord, definitely yes. Thanks be to God. Amen. While we are not gathered in person, we are still joined in spirit and bound together by a common faith. As we live into a new way of being a community of faith, I encourage you to do what you can to stay connected with other members of the Meeting House. Check out our website regularly, sign up for the weekly egram, and join the hashtag connect group using the login information on our website. And be on the lookout for resources and suggestions regarding new opportunities for worship, study, and service in this strange new time of social distancing. Know that I and all members of the staff are still hard at work, though like many of you, we are doing so remotely. 
However, you can still contact us by email or phone. Some of you have already contacted us to express concerns for our most vulnerable and at-risk neighbors. Be assured that your officers, staff, and ministry teams are hard at work to see how we can adapt our existing programs and services or create new ones to better address those concerns while also endeavoring to keep everyone as safe as possible. We remain in uncharted waters, not just socially and spiritually, but emotionally and economically. And like many other institutions, the church is being challenged in ways we could not have foreseen just weeks and months ago. To meet this challenge, we must continue to give generously and perhaps sacrificially of our time, talent, and treasure. The truth of the matter is this. We cannot continue to support our programs and staff without your help. To that end, I encourage you to stay current with your pledges and, if possible, to consider an increase. If we all contribute our fair share, then I am confident we can meet the challenge and be the church we are called to be. I now invite you to prepare your hearts and minds for a time of prayer. As we lift before God our joys and concerns, our hopes and fears, confident that God is ready, willing, and able to walk with us in this dark and challenging time. Let us pray. You alone, O God, have the power to rob death of its sting, to pause graves and to set their captives free. You alone have the power to assemble and enliven the dry bones that dot the landscapes around us. It is only by the breath and power of the Spirit that they and we are blessed with life. O God, hear the voice of our supplications. Incline your heart to the needs of our neighbors and to our needs as well. For without you, we are all as good as dead. In this time of pandemic, our hearts are inclined toward the most vulnerable, the young, the old, and the already infirmed. Embrace them in your loving arms, O God, especially now when no one else can. Remind them and remind us that we are your beloved children and renew us all with your love and grace. We pray as well for those with brittle and dry bones, for those whose movements are not as fast as they once were. Breathe new life into them and let them be for us an abiding source of inspiration and wisdom. Give us patience to listen and learn from them and grant that our presence be for them a source of blessing and comfort as they meet each new day. We pray for those whose muscle lacks sinew and is no longer pliable or tight. We pray for those who are too cautious, too stubborn, too weak, or too ill-informed to ask as you have called them to act. Give them the strength, the courage, and the wisdom they need for such a time as this. And grant us the ability to show them a boldness to act that is tempered with patience and care for others. And in a time when nationalism and tribalism seem to be the order of the day, we pray for those whose skin, whose language, whose customs are different from ours because of pigment or place. We pray for sisters and brothers of all colors 
who give radiance to Christ's church. Assemble our diverse gifts in a vivid display of our common calling as followers of Christ. And set ablaze the unity of our witness with the Holy Spirit, who binds us together as one body. Breathe on us, breath of God, and fill us with life anew, that in these dark and difficult days, we may love what you love and do what you would do. And now, O God, hear us as we join our voices to pray as Jesus taught us. Our Our Father, Father, who who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now hear the word of the Lord. Tempo, 
And now may God bless you and keep you. May God's light shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God bring us all peace, now and forever. Amen.